Welcome to your journey to greatness through routine, a podcast designed to help you build a success routine. My name is Michelle Steffes and I'm author of the book and I'm excited to come to you today with more insights and ideas to accomplish your success routine because it's not the big things we do, but the little things we do every day that make the biggest difference. So let's get on with the podcast. Welcome back as we continue on this series on the dangers of isolation and loneliness. And we talked about a lot yesterday in helping you understand that we are in a society today where isolation has become more prevalent, but it is not a new thing as people have been dealing with isolation and loneliness for years, even decades, possibly even centuries. Um, When we talk about people who are singles or people who are elderly, maybe don't have the company or companionship that they used to have, um, isolation and loneliness are not new to society, but they definitely are more prevalent than it used to be with the uh, social distancing, the COVID, um, the, the need for quarantining and all these other things that we're dealing with now that are not normal, and especially for younger people who uh, typically thrive on their social um, opportunities in, in, in school and, and, um, and even outside of school on the weekends and so forth. And as, as parents, you know, we, we don't know quite how to cope with that. I mean, we're trying to protect our children at the same time. We're trying to set boundaries that, and, and, and yet still balance the, the governmental rule that we're under. So it's really a balancing act right now, and it's affecting a lot of people in a lot of ways. So I want to cover uh, the brain side of this in hopes that you'll get a better understanding of what's happening in the brain as a result of isolation and or loneliness. So studies of animals and people experience isolation uh, have identified several brain structures that appear to be affected by lack of social interaction. Remember, we are social creatures. And although these studies can't identify causal relationships and don't always agree with one another, they shine a light on some of the mechanisms by which physical isolation or feelings of loneliness could impair brain function and cognition. So let's begin with the prefrontal cortex. In some studies, people who are lonely have been found to have reduced brain volumes in the prefrontal cortex. I often refer to this section of the brain as the executive center. So the thinking center of the brain, a region important in decision-making and social behavior. Although other research suggests this relationship might be mediated by personality factors. Now, I want to point something out to you at this, at this level here. When we talk about personality factors, remember that personalities are formed over time as a result of exposure to experiences, value systems, skill sets, uh, mindsets, emotions, Uh, neurochemicals and neurochemical reactions and and a number of other variables that create who we are. Obviously there is some genetics to this but for the most part uh, let's just look at it this way. When you start to think a thought and you you keep thinking that thought be it good or bad you grow neural networks and as you grow these neural networks they continue to be strengthened as you keep thinking about it. And if there is some negativity to it or some um, upset, then you start to release negative neurochemicals. So in a few days, it becomes a mood, right? People start to notice there's something wrong with you. But in a few weeks or months, people start to notice it as a temperament. And they start to ask you questions about, are you okay? Do you need help? You know, is there anything I can do for you? You've been in a funk for a while. 
And then if you stay in that for too long, in other words, months or even into possibly years, then it becomes a personality trait. So that's a lot of what happens to forming personality is our exposure, our experience, and who's setting an example for us as well as a number of the factors that are creating that personality. Is it reversible? Is it changeable? Yes. Yes, it is. But back to what we're talking about here on the prefrontal cortex, rodents that have been isolated from their conspecifics show dysregulated signaling in the prefrontal cortex. So we're, we're really talking about some, some issues, some major issues and factors involved in the alteration of how the prefrontal cortex functions in a loss of cognition. Now I want to talk next about the hippocampus. That's another center of the brain that is affected by isolation or loneliness. And the hippocampus is the memory center of the brain. People and other animals experience isolation may have smaller than normal hippocampi, which is that center, and reduced concentrations of brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is BDNF, both features associated with impaired learning and memory. So here, here is kind of uh, the focal point of some of the cognition issues that you may see, and especially pertaining to memory or learning. Some studies indicate that levels of the stress hormone cortisol affects the and, and is regulated by the hippocampus are higher in isolated animals. So in other words, animals are stressed out. Okay, um, Isolation loneliness causes stress. It's plain and simple. We've talked about cortisol a number of times and how it can shrink the hippocampus. Whether we're talking about the, uh, the culprit being isolation or loneliness, Either way, the cortisol can be responsible for shrinking that hippocampus and causing those cognition issues, especially memory. Finally, the amygdala is another piece of the brain that is affected by this issue. About a decade ago, researchers found a correlation between the size of a person's social network and the volume of their amygdala. To, uh, it's an almond-shaped brain area associated with processing emotion. And I've mentioned that in other of the series that I have done. More recent evidence suggests that the amygdala are smaller in people who are lonely. Or I could even add to that, it could be smaller in people who are emotionally unstable um, um, uh, or just uh, stressed and, and aren't able to cope well, non-resilient. So these, again, all come from... Um, habits and behaviors that we are taught or caught throughout lifetime can be reversed, can be changed by choosing the right habits or right teens or right thinking patterns, which is what this entire podcast is all about. But we will get into more of this tomorrow on the end. And eventually.